Let us pray. O most gracious Father, pour out your power upon us. Stir up your strength and your might and renew us. Restore us and grant us evermore to see you through Christ our Lord, through whom we pray. Amen. Stir up your power, O Lord. I just said that in my own prayer just now, but it's also from our collect for this fourth Sunday in Advent. Stir up your power. Our cry is for God to stir up his power and to come among us in his great might. Why would we ask such an astounding prayer? We answer that question in our collect for this day. It's because we are sorely hindered by our sins by who we are in and of ourselves. We're stuck in the mire and dragged down so that we can do nothing. And so the only thing that we can do is when we hear of the great promises of God is to cry out to Him. We cry out for Him to stir up His power, to come into our midst to renew us from ourselves, to make us into who He desires us to be, to change us. And this is the very thing that we are heading toward. God is stirring up his power today. Not only in the future does he stir it up, not only in the past has he stirred it up, but even in the here and now, he is at work in our midst. He is showing his power today through the baptism that we will witness. His power is bearing fruit in the life of Bastion. And so he has sought to be baptized that work that God has started in previous generations is coming now into a new fruition. It's coming into fruition as He is working His restorative power in our midst today. And we get to see that in baptism. And this is the great revelation of God's love towards us. He confronts us with His love. He confronts us with that great and glorious love today and always. And that love shines forth and is shown forth through this strange work of baptism, this strange act of baptism where he comes and claims Bastion as his own. He unites Bastion objectively to the body of Christ and works in him through that union. It is the means of grace for uniting us to one another and to Christ. And so through this act of baptism, Bastion will become a bearer of Christ. He'll walk forward to bear him into this world now. And God works in him and restores him in order to do so. He has promised to be at work through baptism. He has promised to be at work through the faith that he gives to us and to bring him and us who remember our baptisms more and more into restoration. And so, in this time of Advent, he is confronting us with his very love, his holy love, his merciful love, his compassionate love. He confronts all of us when we witness a baptism. We're called to remember our own baptisms. And through remembering our own baptisms, we remember the promises that God has bestowed upon us through those baptisms. We don't say, I was baptized when we think of our baptisms, but we say, I am baptized. We bring it into the present tense, just like if I said I was married, you would assume that I was divorced or that my wife had died and that I was now a widower. 
No, I say I am married because I am in the state of marriage. Likewise, we say I am baptized because we are in a state. Baptism shifts us from one place to another and puts us into the presence of God because God claims us as his own and unites us to Christ through this act. Not because we're special, but because he has promised. He has acted and he promises to do so and calls us to trust him and to act as though he has. He says that He will do it, and we are called to trust Him to do that thing, to unite us to Christ. And so it comes upon us that love to confront us with the reality of our need. We're baptized because we need grace. We're baptized because we are dead in sin and trespasses. We need this love of God that He stirs up. And so He stirs that power because we are needy. And it pleases Him to fulfill his promises towards us. He calls us to himself and brings us to himself and causes us to come to him by planting faith in the spirit in us. Thus, through all the acts of God, we become bearers of Christ because we have been united to him. And that is the truth that our scripture texts are reminding us of today, that we are bearers of Christ, that we are responders to those promises of restoration only. That we only respond. We don't cause God to come to us. We don't make God save us. We don't do anything except receive what God gives to us freely. We respond to His restoration, to His restorative acts. And so we cry out, and He acts. Mary is literally the bearer of Christ to the world. She carries Him in her womb. And yet we follow her in a spiritual way today. She carried Christ to Elizabeth and then to the world as she gave birth to the Messiah. And through the birth of Jesus, restoration was coming into the world. And it comes to us now and calls us into new life continually. And thus we are restored more and more by that work of Christ in us. And as he works in us, we become more and more bearers of that very same Christ to the world as Mary was the bearer of Christ, God himself to Elizabeth and to the whole world. And so let us look now at our passage from Luke. And the first thing that we hear about is how Mary is the God-bearer. Yes, the God-bearer is a strange term that we're just not used to as Protestants. But we might think, really? Isn't that a bit much to proclaim Mary as the God-bearer? Isn't that so Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox to say? But it's not. It is the very heart of our beliefs. Because after all, Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God in the flesh, then Mary gave birth to Jesus and thus gave birth to God and bore him into this world. She gives birth to the literal second person of the Godhead who has taken on flesh. Not to the first person, not to the Father, not to the Holy Spirit, not to the divine essence does she give birth to, but to Christ, to the person of Jesus who is God. And thus she becomes the God-bearer because she carries God himself in the flesh, into this world. And this God is fully God and fully man, this Jesus. And Gabriel had told Mary that this would be in the previous verses, that she would carry the one who is called the Son of the Most High, that he would reign on the throne of David himself forever. Luke directs our eyes to the reality that this is no mere baby. This is no mere ordinary human being that is residing now in Mary's womb. 
Mary is confused by these words from Gabriel. She hears them and she simply thinks, I'm not married. I've never known a man. How can this come to be, O Lord? How can this come to be, angel that has revealed these glorious truths to me? Zechariah responded without faith, and she responds simply with faith of, how can this happen for someone like me? And she takes it in. And Gabriel tells her that it is the Holy Spirit who will cause this conception, who will cause her to conceive this child. And then Gabriel tells her of Elizabeth, tells her of her relative who in her old age has conceived also and is carrying a child even then. And Mary simply responds, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She receives these truths from Gabriel, these truths of God that she is going to conceive and bear the Messiah and that her cousin Elizabeth, her relative Elizabeth, is carrying her own son, this woman who is in her old age, who has been barren her entire life, who has had no children. Suddenly, she and her husband have been brought into joy through her pregnancy. And she simply says, I am the servant of the Lord. And what does she do as soon as she says that I am the servant of the Lord? The angel departs and she immediately goes into Elizabeth. She flees. She makes haste. The God-bearer is not going to receive glory from her relative, but she goes to Elizabeth in her need. Mary doesn't set up shop, as one commentator put it. She doesn't set up a shop, set up a throne, and sit upon it and bestow blessings upon people because she is now the God-bearer. No, she makes haste to go to her cousin. She makes haste to flee to where Elizabeth and Zechariah are, to go to them, to help them, to be with them. She goes bearing God himself in her womb to serve another and not to be served. From Nazareth to where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived was probably something like 80 to 100 miles from Nazareth. We don't know the exact location, but we know that they lived near Jerusalem. And that's 80 to 100 miles from Nazareth that they lived in that vicinity. And so here, Mary, just now pregnant, a young woman going on her own, 80 to 100 miles to go to be with her aged relative. Four or five days of constant travel to get there. And yet Mary was not thinking of herself, but of Elizabeth and hearing of her own news of carrying the Messiah and of Elizabeth's own conception. She goes to Elizabeth to see her, to hear from her, to share with her. And she bears the Lord to her relative to give her aid in her pregnancy. And she ends up staying for three months. She doesn't just go for a quick visit and then go back home. No, she stays with her, the text says. That she stays for three months. Maybe even up through the birth of John, we're not sure. But she stayed with her. And so what happens when this God-bearer Mary meets Elizabeth? She goes down and she meets Elizabeth and she greets her probably with that usual, peace be with you. And now we see the restorative act of the Holy Spirit. He goes into action restoring hearts and minds and renewing us and giving words that are inspired by himself to Elizabeth and Mary. Mary comes and says, peace be with you. And with joy, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And this baby who has been promised to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb gives the Holy Spirit to his own mother so that she responds and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she greets Mary with joy. She exclaims and cries out, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it that 
Why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? John, in the womb of Elizabeth, recognizes the presence of his very Lord and leaps with joy and responds to the Lord coming to him through Mary. And Mary, carrying God himself in her womb, brings him, and John responds, and Elizabeth is filled, and she responds, and they rejoice at the coming of the Lord, even the coming of the Lord in a young woman. It is the Spirit's work that opens Elizabeth's eyes. She hasn't heard of Mary's conception. She hasn't heard anything of it. She simply hears Mary in the Spirit, opens her eyes and her ears and her heart and her mind to recognize that Mary is carrying the Lord. It's not any ordinary baby that Mary carries in her womb, but it is God himself. For she says, How is it that you would come to me? How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth senses that God himself somehow is dwelling there in the womb of Mary. For the word Lord itself is the word that they gave, that the Greek translation of the Septuagint gives to the divine name Yahweh. And so for them to use this of someone in such a way is to declare something unique and special that Elizabeth has sensed and understood about this child that is residing in Mary's womb, maybe only a week or so old from conception. And yet Mary says, my Lord is in your womb. Or Elizabeth says to Mary, my Lord is in your womb. You are the mother of my Lord. Your very greeting has caused this baby to leap with joy. The baby in my own womb is leaping with joy because his Lord has come. My Lord has come. Your Lord has come. Elizabeth is filled with the restorative acts of God, of the Holy Spirit, by the very presence of the Lord coming to her through Mary. As Mary bears the Lord to her, as she bears God to her and brings him wherever she goes to go and to serve and to act and to love. And Elizabeth blesses Mary and says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary herself is blessed. Not only is Elizabeth blessed with the Holy Spirit, but Elizabeth in turn blesses Mary. For she has believed the work of the Lord. She has believed that the Lord will fulfill all of his good promises to Israel. For now, they both understand and recognize that this child that Mary carries is the Messiah. He is the one who has been promised to come, the one who has been promised to save, the one who has promised to restore all things and to renew all things, to undo the curse that was brought onto humanity and onto this world through Adam and Eve's sin. Blessed is she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment. And all of these wonderful words from Elizabeth leads to something even greater. Mary responds and she doesn't respond by saying that she is bearing God for herself but that she is bearing God into this world for the world in order that a great restoration of this whole world would take place she bears God into this world to bring about a restoration of all things and this restoration is the turning upside down of everything that we understand 
As we hear in the Magnificat, her song of praise, the Lord has done mighty things. He's looked upon his servant. She recognizes that the work that she has been given to do, the calling that she has been given, will mean that all generations will remember her and call her blessed. Not because she did some great and amazing work, but because it is the Son of God with whom she bears. It is the Son of God that she carries in her womb, God himself. And the Lord does mighty things and shows mercy to those who fear him. He scatters the proud. He looks upon the proud and scatters them away. He brings down the mighty from their thrones. He sends the rich away without anything. All the things that our world would want to do to lift up the mighty in their strength. To give the rich everything that they have. To celebrate the rich and the mighty and the strong and the great and the glorious. The Lord tears them down. Through his Messiah, he tears down those who would punish, those who would abuse, those who would assault and harm those who are humble in the Lord. He turns the world upside down and lifts up the humble. He lifts up the brokenhearted. He lifts up the hungry and those of humble estate. Those who are in need, he lifts up by his grace, by his goodness, by his mercy through his son given into this world. Through his son coming into this world, through his son uniting himself to human flesh and coming to bear the sins of the world. Through his bearing of those sins, he begins a healing process, a restoration that continues until his return, when all things are completely and totally fulfilled. He exalts the humble. He fills the hungry. He helps his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. The coming of God into this world is not about Mary. It is about God restoring all things for himself. It is about Yahweh fulfilling all of his promises. And Mary is willing to walk that path. She has received from the Lord his promises. She has received from the Lord the thing that he has called her to do. To walk as an unmarried woman with the Messiah in her womb. To put her trust in this God who has caused her to, become, to be placed in such a precarious position. People are going to talk. They're going to gossip. They'll whisper behind her back. But Mary trusts the work of Yahweh because she is the servant of the Lord. She submits to Yahweh and walks this path of hardship. Hardship that is filled with joy because she is bearing a child. And not any ordinary child, but God himself into this world. Regardless of the bad, she trusts the God of her people. The great I am to do all that he has promised to accomplish. To bring forth his promises into Abraham, to Abraham and into the world. He's working to restore all things for the sake of his people. For the sake of himself. To bring on, to fulfill all that he has promised to do. He brings honor to himself by fulfilling his promises despite our breaking of our side of the deal. Despite us being sinners, God still fulfills his promises. He acts honorably no matter what. He will work to fulfill his promises in us because he has sent his son into the world. His son, who is perfectly and fully God, has taken on flesh and is born from the womb of Mary. Mary walks this path knowing 
the end result, knowing the joy that will come in the end, I think. Much as Hebrews describes Jesus, that despite the pain and the sorrow, he knows of the joy that will come through his death and resurrection. Mary trusts God in his making her to be the God-bearer to the world. And likewise, we become God-bearers as we walk in faith. We become the bearers of Christ to the world around us. We carry Christ in us and with us, for we are united to him through baptism and faith. We are brought to him and claimed by him and renewed by him. Just as he has renewed and claimed Mary and in her literally caused a child to begin growing in her womb. We carry Christ spiritually into this world everywhere that we go. And so God works and restores us more and more that we might more and more fulfill that calling to carry Christ forward. Christ himself has been conceived in us through the hearing of the word, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, all these things working to bring us to faith more and more, to build up our faith, to renew our faith, to renew our hearts and our minds. And we are sent forth. And we go, as St. Ambrose says, in the spirit of Mary, to go and serve, to go and magnify the Lord. He says, St. Ambrose, for a soul that has believed has both conceived and bears the word of God and declares his works. Let the soul of Mary be in each of you so that it magnifies the Lord. Let the spirit of Mary be in each of you so that it rejoices in God. She is the one mother of Christ according to the flesh, yet Christ is the fruit of all according to faith. Christ comes and resides in you. So let us rejoice. May we rejoice. May we receive all of his good blessings and his promises and thus magnify his work and magnify and rejoice in his promises being fulfilled in us and let us turn always. May we always turn to receive his goodness and his mercy. We who are sorely hindered by our sins, may we know his restoration more and more and bear and carry Christ to the world according to his grace and his mercies given to us. For he comes readily and speedily to deliver us. And so may we receive Christ in you this day. May we rejoice to see Bastion be united to Christ through baptism, to be united to the body of Christ objectively, and for the Holy Spirit to be at work restoring him over and over more and more. May we rejoice in the greatness and the glories of God this day as he has poured his love upon us in Christ, our Savior. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.